Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to a very special episode of Good Humans Podcast. This is episode number 133 with Chris Lake. Chris is an incredible music producer, one of the best DJs in the world, and someone who I'm very lucky to get to call mate, so it was epic to have this chat. If it's your first time tuning in today, do me a huge favor, hit that like or subscribe button, give us five stars if you enjoy the episode, but most importantly, if you get some value out of this episode, you learn something about Chris's story and you think it can yeah, have an impact on others in your community, share the episode with them. It takes a few seconds and yeah, it means so much to us. Chuck it on your Instagram story and tag us both. I'm sure Chris and myself will be very stoked about that. A big thank you to our sponsors, Drink A Rapper. These guys have been supporting this podcast for the last 18 months and I use their product every single day. It's a brain drink so if you're someone who's got a brain and want to take better care of it you should go check out drink a rapper you can head over to their website drinkarepper.com use the code goodhuman for 25 percent off all of their products but you can also learn about the science that has gone into their product it's a beautiful black currant flavored juice with all natural ingredients and all different tests and stuff done to yeah make it really help your brain both for short-term performance and for long-term brain health so go check that out also, very exciting times with the Good Human Factory. As of 6 p.m. tonight, when this episode comes out, we've just dropped a brand new range of merch. I've spent a lot of time putting um, yeah, this one together. There's nine new shirts for men, nine new shirts for women. There's a couple really cool tote bags and bucket hats as well. I love getting to do this range. There's really cool new designs and colors. The sizes have kind of expanded down to extra small up to double extra large in both men and women, actually just down to small in men. But yeah, I love these designs and they're just so comfortable. I've got a new um, new merch person who's been making the eco-friendly bags for us as well, which is amazing. I actually gave Chris some of the merch and he sent me a message yesterday before um, yeah putting this podcast out saying, mate, this merch is comfy AF. Um, thanks for it. So there's a little first hand that Chris enjoys the merch too. But yeah, today's episode is just incredible. <clears throat> oh, sorry about the merch. If you want to get some merch, use the code podcast over on the goodhumanfactory.com and you get a big 25% off. And yeah, it's a good way to support my mental health workshops, keep this podcast growing and yeah, spread some positive vibes in your community. So on to today's episode, Chris Lake. Chris has been someone who I've known for a couple of years. I've known his music for a very long time and admired it from afar. But ever since uh, my sister has become really close friends with Chris and his wife, Gita, and obviously also Fisher, my brother-in-law, it's just been so cool getting to know Chris a bit more personally and learn his story. And he's over in Australia to do some festivals called Spilt Milk. And he was staying uh, very close by to where I live. And I was like, mate, would you like to have a chat on the podcast? And he was like, yeah, of course. So I love that I got to get this um, access to Chris. He gave me such a vulnerable chat all the way back, took me through his story. And yeah, it really fascinated me. Some big ups and downs throughout the journey and just, yeah, an amazing work ethic, which has got him to where he is today. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Chris Lake. Hey, girl, mate. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. It's nice to, uh, nice to be on the Gold Coast. Nice to see you. Nice to see uh, 
all the crew out here. It's been fun, eh? It's been um, a fun couple of days. You've got a few weeks yeah. here in Oz, so... Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's um, it's good to be here, you know, it's like, um, it just developed a, developed a lot of friends out here, mm. and, um, you know, lots of colleagues, obviously, you know, have such a uh, a big social circle now with being friends with... Uh, with fish and you know, with your My with family. your sister, yeah, all your all, all, you know, all your family, all fish's family, and the, you know the kind of the, the honorary family as well. You know, it, it goes, it runs pretty deep. It's nice it, to see everyone. I know it's pretty funny here on the Gold Coast as well. Like Chloe and Fish have like such a big network that also have the means to kind of get to travel and hang out a bit. So you kind of get like different Gold Coast people all around the world watching you yeah, guys from yeah, time to yeah, time. Yeah, I was say half the half the people that were there at the show on uh, on. Was it Sunday? Yeah. Uh, was it Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, Sunday. Um, yeah, I've seen them like <laughs> six times in the last, you know, year in different different continents. And it's so funny how like crossed over the world is like Eric, who's your tour manager now, has been like a close friend of mine for like over ten years from the surf mm-hmm. industry. So it's like everything kind of. Well, like- that's 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 part of the that's part of the connection. You know, there's this sort of uh, um, mostly through uh, Fish and Brett, uh, and they're kind of like. I say Brett's connection to uh, the surfing industry. He doesn't really have a, a direct connection with the surf industry apart from representing, you know, managing fish. And um, but he has a love for the industry, and then mm. uh, you know all the people that he's met along the way. Eric being one of them, and you know like, that was how, that's how it all came up. When you know I'm like, I need someone to go on the road, and um, you know Brett's like, yeah, I think I've got you know I've got an idea of someone that can uh, give it a go. Let's, let's, let's try Eric. You know I think he's got the right demeanor for it. Thank yeah, I think he's been on the road with me for almost six years now. Has Eric been with you for six years? Five, yeah, definitely five. Wow. Definitely five, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he seems to be got his finger in everything, but it's amazing. But today's about you. So <laughs> <laughs> what I always open my podcast with is the same question for everyone, and you probably know from all the merch I always wear that I'm big on gratitude. So what are you grateful for in your life right now? Um, definitely grateful for uh, – I didn't actually know that was a question you were going to ask, but I'm grateful for um, – being able to do what I love to do, something that you know I feel um, passionate about. Uh, having great family and friends and health, mm. you know, keep it simple. I like, I'm, you know, happy to, um, yeah, I'm just happy to be doing what I love and, and be surrounded by people I, I love. Which is a privilege sometimes. So many people are doing work that they don't love. And I mean, oh, obviously 100%. doing what you do is something quite spectacular, being one of the top DJs in the world and getting to tour all around the world, experience these people, cultures. But most importantly, bring joy to people and bring yeah. a good time to people. And it was really funny when I got home from um when I got home from Europe, because obviously the work I do in mental health and stuff, I have like a lot of people who kind of appreciate what I do. And somebody replied to one of my things after being on stage watching fish with fifty thousand people replied like wouldn't it be great if fisher used what he does to actually like help people like you do with mental health and i was like i wrote back to him and I, like, normally i won't bite on things like that and i was like hey he's doing it on a million times scale of what i'm doing everyone who goes to watch music like your shows fisher shows leave having the best time ever like that's yeah. great for their mental health there's there's so many different ways to to um bring happiness and or mm. you know or or deliver a message you know there's there's uh there's more direct ways, there's more educational ways, and then there's just, you know, kind of like uh, ways via distraction. Mm. I think Fish does that, you know, kind of like it's, uh, it, there's, a, there's a magic to, well, I do that, you know, mm. with, you know the, with with shows and performance, it's like a, um, 
takes people, take, yeah, people on a journey. Takes mm. people to, takes people somewhere else, puts them in a, a different space, a different environment, gives them a very different feeling. And it's like the really the idea about it is, is you know, is a lot of it's about well for for what we do with dancing and everything. You know, we're trying to make people dance. Trying to as long as we're playing. I, well, I, I can only speak for myself or, or Fish. Um, you know, I know that all we care about is just making people dance for a very long time. As long as we're playing, make them have the best time ever and, you know, forget whatever's going, whatever else is going on in their life. And it, it feels, um, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to achieve that and see people um, have those experiences. Mm. So, and I think, it, I think it helps people. I think it's, uh, it's it, these these situations leave, you know, leave quite an impression on people. Some of these nights are these. These are the moments that people don't forget in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. well, that's and, a beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a really nice thing to do. So that's, and you know, the, the well for me, the more I, the, the more events I do, the the further I get in my um, in my life doing this this kind of work and being involved in events. The more I appreciate how impactful these events can be mm. and how how long um, people remember them. Mm, that's the thing. Like you don't, you hear so many people go like, I'll, I'll <laughs> openly say like that night in Ibiza, you weren't there, but when Fish opened Ibiza that yeah. this year, I was like by far the best night of my life when it comes to like partying and having a good time. And at a music festival, I love it. Cause like, even though there's people intoxicated and off the head and stuff, everyone's just having a good time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. even when I was in the crowd watching you the other night with like my mate, Corey, just like looking around, just everyone's bouncing up and down, having a good time. And like music's medicine. I think it's, um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so for sure. Today, we're going to get to know your story a bit though. I, um, I've known you for a, a while. Actually, it's funny. <laughs> and you'll probably remember this too. The first time we met, I was like, Oh, I wonder if Chris even knows. Like I knew you probably knew who I was because of my sister, but it took mm -hmm. us a while to actually meet. Like you yeah, met yeah, Sophia yeah, yeah. and my other sisters and mm -hmm. my mum and everyone else, but not me. Yeah. yeah you were you the meant last to come one. to the wedding and you didn't end up coming because. Well, I was there. I was. I, I got. I, I was oh, there for the bucks. I was there for the bucks. I was. I was there for like a day and a half, and then That's my. Um, we had a Some we had a we stuff. had a family stuff, so I had to I had to go straight home. That's right, and I missed the bucks because I had something <coughs> else on. So we like yeah yeah yeah. yeah. And... I, there was loads of people I didn't get to meet. I know you know obviously I never got to meet Chumpy. I never got to um, uh, there was there was a lot of friends. Mm. You know I've, I've kind of I've met most people yeah. now, but there's some you know some kind of like very important people and you know. Your guys live like didn't actually even get to, to meet at all I so, as well yeah of course exactly so it's uh you know it was um yeah pretty yeah. crazy little time but yeah we, we eventually met and yeah uh, I knew, of course i knew who you were <laughs> but ever yeah. since then i feel like you've been such a legend it's been um nice getting to become friends just in the small interactions out at the clubs and at the kind of inner circle that we get to hang in sometimes but to be honest i don't know much about your story at all and that's You're what good. today's gonna be You're about good. so it's let's not that interesting. It's pretty interesting. It's definitely <laughs> interesting. But let's rewind back to the start. Uh -huh. Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? What was life like? Let's call up into a teenager, family yeah. dynamics that I need to know to maybe understand who you are today. Yeah. Um, born in Norwich in England. So Norwich is like uh, two, two and a half hours northeast of London. Um, grew up there until I was about 13. Um, got one sister. Um, my father worked, uh, he worked in Northern Ireland for nearly eight years of that kind of that 12 year period. Um, so I, most of like the, most of like my early childhood was kind of uh, spent with my, um, brought up by my mother and my, my grandmother. And, um, 
yeah, and then I think was it till twelve or thirteen, and then 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 we ended up moving to Northern Ireland to be with my father. We lived there for a year, and um, and then something went wrong with his work. Ended up moving to Scotland. That's where I lived uh, for probably another ten years or something like that. That's where I really got into music um, when I was in when in I was in Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, yeah. So um, if I roll back a couple of years before that, when I uh, the the last few years in um, in England, my uh, both my grandfathers were uh, into music. They both played the what, what looks like the church organ. So um, you know in where I was from, maybe you have them here. They'd be like these sort of more modern looking church organs. Uh -huh. So the two tier keyboards and the foot pedals. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, so they both knew how to play them. And one of my my, my grandfather on my mother's side uh, played the saxophone in the 60s in, in, in um, some bands. He actually played, he, he the band that he was in, um, I forgot the name of the band, John Wayne and the Pretenders or something like that. Something, something, something like that. Um, he actually performed in Hamburg uh, alongside the Beatles. Oh wow! Yeah, so um, before um, the, the, with the original members, of, uh, I know there was a there was a uh, change. Yeah, there was a changeover after a few years, but yeah, so he got to perform alongside them, but then transitioned into playing the organ. Anyway, so I when I was growing up, I'd go over to my grandfather's um, place, and both of them, I'd, I'd sit at the you know the organ, organ and, and learn how to you know start playing some notes, and then. Uh, that grandfather I was just explaining about um he uh he was like i think you've got some flair for this maybe you should go and get some lessons so i got my i was doing uh, keyboard lessons for like a year and uh i really enjoyed the play and the performing um but i hated the theory i just hated the theory and the way it worked with these schools is if you you, you couldn't like progress yeah. unless you can like matched up with your theory so I, I ended up just sort of stagnating on my learnings with uh with playing the keyboard and then i moved to northern ireland stopped playing so and when when we ended up going to scotland um i was at that age in my um teenage. school yeah school where i had to choose uh, i had to choose my subjects for um, for what to do in, in high school and one of the subjects i chose was uh, music and that's when i met uh, a friend who called andy who was um making music on keyboards and synthesizers and I thought this was the coolest thing ever. Um, and that's when I started lo looking into how I could start doing that myself. So that's essentially how I got into music production. Yeah, wow. um, just like starting to figure out how can I learn how to, how can I learn how to make music? Mm -hmm. um, so this is through your high school days? This is through high school. I was about four, 14 or 15. Okay, so you started learning. What did Obviously, becoming a musician is a pretty tough job to become successful in, I guess mm. you'd call it, to turn it into making a living. Mm -hmm. What else did you think when you were at school the future might have looked like? Well, I was definitely not thinking too much about not the too future. too much, but, but... No, there was like, a, it was more, I had an interest. I wanted to um, learn how to become competent, but mm -hmm. like figure out, how to make beats, and, yeah. Um, how to operate the equipment. This stuff was, you know, music making is kind of complicated in yeah. a way. Well, definitely. Back then, you know, there was there was a lot more. Uh, you know, I was I was explaining to you yesterday. It was more uh, based around hardware. Um, you know, it was expensive to buy 
um, once you bought one piece of equipment, then you needed another piece of equipment. You had to figure out a way to link them up, and yeah, it all it just it's hard. You buy one thing, and then you cause more problems. You have to buy more things, and it's just like a it's a money pit. It's it's so expensive, and um, you know, I was just trying to. And that was for more to... so electronic music, though. That yeah, was what yeah, you yeah, were yeah. drawn to. Yeah. Like so at the same time, at the same time, I was I was developing a love of um, dance music. Yeah. And really, what I first started doing was I was trying to recreate popular um popular dance tracks that uh you know i was listening to at the time or something that were on the radio or yeah, who were some of your inspirations back then i mean i'm thinking like actually some of these songs are getting really big right now again um uh i you know i, I was remaking atp atb till i come and um uh, robert miles children tracks like this um uh Alice DJ, better off alone. These are like the big songs that were like big at the time. Mm -hmm. I was re I was remaking them, learning okay. how to like try and uh, make them feel the same way. Yeah, and um, so I wasn't really making anything particularly original. It was just sort of it was like imitation, learning the craft by yeah. imitating, and yeah. then you can put your own flair on it a bit yeah. later, kind of thing. But over over time, um, I guess I learned how to have my own ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just slowly that that kind of that, that developed. When you say recreating, was it like trying to use your own instruments to then recreate the song? So it was probably a really good way to learn how to use yeah. the equipment you yeah. had to its potential by trying to recreate something yeah, without yeah. maybe having to have the creative element of coming up with your own stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it was just like, a, it was almost like, okay, well, this is something that works that I enjoy listening to. Mm -hmm. So uh, how did they make it? Reverse yeah. engineer it. Understand, understand what... Um, you know all the components of it are how it all comes together mm -hmm. and how it makes you feel and yeah, yeah you know and uh it's actually really hard it's really it's quite easy to make this stuff sound terrible and most of it did sound terrible but it's just over time you know just it's like repetitions it's with, yeah. same with surfing same with speaking same with walking running anything it's just, you know the practice the more, more you do it the better you get um yeah, and over time I got better. I started having my own ideas, started, you know, realizing. Still towards the end of high school? This was, no, I, I probably, yeah, no, maybe, maybe. I'm, Last couple of years. Yeah. Just, oh, was there another job in between? Did yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So I had, yeah. well, I, I did uh, I did lots of jobs. Uh, so my father was working. The reason he was uh, working away from home was uh, he, he worked in the fishing industry. So he was a manager, he still is, manager of um, fish processing factories. So. Oh. The good thing about that was there was always um, seasonal work and most of the seasons lined up with my school holidays. So ever since being a teenager, I, I actually never took holidays. Um, it's work, I, so you I, I can worked. make money to buy music equipment. That's exactly what good I did. On you. Yeah, so um, it was crap work. I mean, just really... Oh, Fish processing plant sounds fun. <laughs> it stunk. <laughs> I absolutely stunk but you know what um it's uh yeah i'm proud i'm actually you know i look back on it now and I'm, I'm quite proud of uh having um taken that approach maybe it probably wasn't the best idea to just like use all of my time to be uh um working to make money to you know to, to be able to do music but um regardless that dedication kind of uh, got you know got you know got me started and uh um, I was able to build on it. So it's a big lesson that for any young kids nowadays, you just feel like there's so much expectation now. It's so much access to 
yeah, opportunity almost, it seems like now. But I think hearing that story is a good one for a young kid out there who's like, oh, I can't afford it. It's like, go work your school holidays, save yeah. up for that new MacBook so you can use that computer so you can make the music. Yeah, so. I think, I definitely think, I look back on it now and I think it was, you know, had a had a big impact on me. It made me like... Was it well, intrinsic or was it from your get, parents? Was there like so? push from your parents to no, do it? No, or it was all just you going, nah, I want I this? Refl- I was reflecting on this the other day. I was, I was, I was with them. Um, a couple of weeks ago and I was, I was actually I said thank you to them for um, how much encouragement they've given me um, through well actually through but ever since I, I got into music they've, they've always been nothing but positive um, and never never kind of like sort of they never actually said to me don't, don't you think you should be doing something else even when they probably should have said to me <laughs> Don't you think you should be doing something else? Um, and so, uh, yeah, they were. They've, um, yeah, they've been absolutely fantastic. And uh, you know, I obviously showed an interest in wanting to make money because I knew, you know, for I mean, I remember the first the first keyboard I bought uh, was eight hundred pounds. So um, a lot of money. Like, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money for uh, uh, you know, I wasn't. It took a long time to save that money yeah, up. Yeah, I bet. Um, but yeah, got it, and uh, and then had to keep saving for the next thing. But, hey, but you know, I was lucky. I was lucky because my, you know, my, my father had the ability to to give me that seasonal work. Mm. You know, so I was lucky. I, I, I know, I, I, you know, I was definitely fortunate. I mean, in that lucky, regard. But, but you, you know, still I had to, work have to go it, and so, do the work. Yeah. Like. So um, yeah. So anyway, that, that was uh, that was a big part of my uh, childhood. But you know, that that just developed over time mm. and an interest turned into a, you know, like a hobby turned into a, a serious hobby that turned mm-hmm. into uh, uh, a, you know, question mark, could I make something of this? So yeah, let's talk, we talked about this last night when we were in chat. What was the sort of first big break? So you finished school, a couple of years of, what were some of the jobs that you were balancing, trying to make music and then go DJ at night? Yeah, so what happened? I did a lot of seasonal work through the, um, through my father a lot of that um Everyone and finished. then yeah 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 and then um and then i went to well what else did i do i'm trying to remember now oh, that's it's, it's been a while um <laughs> i did uh i started doing music full-time for a little while um and how then, are you making money there so you started making some tracks that were getting picked well, up i was, saying, DJing I, I was still nine. living with my parents so yeah. you know I, I didn't need to make lots of money luckily um but like getting gigs DJing at like nightclubs. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, or? so there's a little bit of money there um, doing regional stuff. And then um, a few, you know, I started releasing some records. I started doing, making bootlegs, um, printing them to vinyl um, wow. and selling them. Um, so made a bit of money there. All illegal. Um, and uh, sorry. But, you know, that's kind of like what you did back then. And, I'm sure uh, plenty of people have ripped off your music. Yeah, 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 exactly. Karma's a bitch. So, um, <laughs> and and then, then what, what happened? I think, yeah, what was the first I here's what I, I remember. This is, we're now into like kind of 2002. Yeah, yeah, 2002, 2003. I'd, I'd had a couple of records. There was a, there was a few things that were kind of like, all doing pretty Chris decent in the underground. The yeah, 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 yeah. If I took under my name for, oh, your camera just uh, okay. died a death. Keep going. I'm still trying to remember what I did. <laughs> yeah, give me that twenty. Yeah, so I, 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 I remember. So I, I, you know, I had a few records that were doing, you know, nicely in the underground. I was kind of by this point, I was, 
uh, I was trying to essentially make records. The way that I described it was I was, um, I'd become kind of, I was living in the Northeast of Scotland, quite remote um, part of the world. And my only real connection with the scene and my understanding of the scene was through message boards through the internet on dial up internet. How old are you? 29. You I, really I just know, had dial-up, okay. just. I remember Fucking like dial-up, atrocious. Up, just. Yeah. It was atrocious. It was so slow. Um, you know, you couldn't use the phone if I was using the if I was using the dial-up. I, I dominated the phone line in our house. It was okay. terrible. Uh, just trying to send songs to songs that I've made to, to DJs to try and get them to play, uh, to play stuff. And anyway, um, I'd had a bit of success. I was I was trying to I was making records essentially to try and get Sasha and Digweed to play them. Sasha and Digweed being quite uh, were very big DJs at the time, and um, I had some success with it. But I was slow. I was very very slow and kind of I didn't have I just don't actually think I had the best work ethic with regards to trying to get things finished and you know mm -hmm. make things happen I was a bit lazy and then I was uh I was living quite rurally at the time um and out in the countryside and what would happen was I was getting sent by this point I you know I was developing a little bit of a name in the kind of underground scene and I was getting sent vi uh, vinyl promos, uh, so records by um, record labels send it to me to try and get me to play it in my sets. And I'd have to, there'd be like uh, reaction forms, I'd have to uh, write what I thought of the song and then mail it back to people, uh, to, to the record labels. And the, there was a postman that was uh, delivering these records to me and he, you know, he'd always be asking me questions about, you know, what I was getting to, what I was getting sent and he was just, you know, we, we got Curious, talking, got, yeah. got, got, got to know each other and and uh, somehow uh, the conversation turns to um, the fact that there was jobs going at the post office. And just around about that time, I was kind of like essentially coming to terms with the fact that I'm a bit of a lazy bastard. I'm just not really making anything happen. I think if I want to continue this, I need to I need to get a job. This is this is getting silly. So I ended up doing, uh, I ended up taking a job at the post office and I had that for nearly three years. So I was basically a postman. No. Way. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I ended up being the, like the floater, which is, so I, I essentially had to do, um, I had to fill in for any of the, any of the, the post, any, anyone's days off mm -hmm. essentially. So I had to do every job, every job. every job. So that could be out on the bike. You know, or just you know walking around with a bag in freezing, oh, freezing say, weather so in Scotland. Cold. Oh my god! Um, or out in the van, or working in the office. I had to do it all. Um, I actually, I'll be honest, with you, I loved that job. It was fantastic, and the best thing about it was, um, I, well, it's not the best thing really. I had to get up early, work, do a do a full day's shift, but I was finished early, uh -huh. so it allowed me to work on music afterwards. At the sacrifice of sleep, but regardless, I was young, so it didn't mm. really matter. And um, so, got you know, did that for three years, and then like towards like, I think in the third year, I I, um, I said to my my family and friends at the time, I'm like, I have to get, I have to make something happen here. Mm. If I uh, I made a promise to everyone, it's like if I if I don't make something significant happen with my career in this next year. Um, I will, I will I'll, I'll, I'll search for an education. I, I want to train, train to be something. 22, 21? 
something like that. Tw yeah, 23 maybe. 23. Um, and so I, I set myself some goals. I told myself I've got to, I've got to make something happen. Um, I, I gave myself a year to make something significant happen. And if I didn't, then I'd, I'd give up and move on to something else. Anyway, that year I just worked like crazy. I really, I really got my focus. I found, I found a flow. I found, I really found a sound. I found like my, my, my thing. And, and in that time I, um, made a track called Changes and that song blew up. It ended up being my, my big song at the time. Got into the UK uh, top 40. Um, it just opened up all doors. I, you know, I got a central new tune on Radio One um, twice with that song. Um, got a got a big booking agent. Got a manager. All of these things. Yeah, so flying. the whole career just kind of like opened up. And this was that that was two thousand five by this point. Actually, I know. Yeah, it was two thousand five. So mm -hmm. um, everything just opened up, and that was really the beginning of my career. Did it feel different making that tune? Were you like, Ooh, yeah, 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 this, yeah, 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 sitting yeah, in yeah. Fisher's studio right now, listening, and you were showing us some tracks before, and I said to you. Do you know when you're like, mm, I think this is the one? Did you know when you were making that? We're like, wow, yeah, yeah, I did. I knew, I knew. I was like, I, I, I'm. It came together just like, uh, Perfect. so so quickly, just so naturally, and it just had such a good feeling. I was, I was like, oh, I've got something here. I've got something here. And so, then wasn't it getting played like in the Premier League or something? Yeah, yeah, it was used for the Premier League football on Sky Sports for like a whole year. So it was a big record. Um, and it, yeah, it was. It was actually really big here. There was a, there was a, a remix by uh, an Australian artist called Dirty South. It was really big out here. Uh -huh. So um, yeah, right. and uh, things were really things were really going by that point. So that, let's that talk was... about this next chapter. So you finally yeah. get noticed how you should be. You've been given a year. You get a manager. How long till you move out of Scotland? Two years. Two years. So Two years. There. Moved down to London. Moved down to the big smoke. So um, yeah, that was. Uh, that was another big, you know, that was a a big move. That was, it was way easier to travel from there. You know, I was getting lots of gigs by this mm. point. Um, flying out of Scotland, massive pain in the ass. Um, so, uh, yeah, flying out of London, it was great. Um, was packed up and moved by yourself at like 24. Well, yeah, 26. I was with Gita by this point. Oh, you were with Gita yeah, by this point? Yeah, Where yeah, had to be Gita? Uh, MySpace. Yeah, <laughs> that was she your top friend. <laughs> yeah, she was. <laughs> she was. So um, yeah, we 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 were um, we were already living together. So how did you meet Gita in Scotland when you're twenty? MySpace. MySpace. Just where's Gita from? Um, she's born in Latvia, but she yeah. she was living in America by this point. So and you met on MySpace. You were just a underground musician, and she's a musician herself, and connected. What? And then she flew, came from America to Scotland. Other way around. I went. To, I went to America. So, um, oh, yeah, okay. so I met her on the first time I went out to America. So, uh -huh. so you did a tour over there. And yeah, then I met her, caught, caught eyes on her, and I'm like, oh, shit. Here That's we it. go. That's it. Wow. I was going to show the wedding ring, but I'm not even wearing it. It's quite uh, bad. You got, a, you got a tan there. You can <laughs> yeah, see yeah, you can the gym today. Yeah, 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 it's imprinted yeah, on yeah, your finger. Yeah. Um, so what, you, you moved to, she came to London with you? She actually moved to Scotland first. So she did yeah. move to Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Then, we moved to, then we moved to London. We had a few years there, and then... But you know, things started. I'd started touring out in America, and yeah, I was. You know, there was a there was a bit of a pull to come to go to America um, and take some of the opportunities there. I was really enjoying uh, working in the studio there. Mm -hmm. I was meeting some good people. And Kita, you know, spent a lot of her life in America. She felt comfortable there, so yeah. we decided to make the move to uh, to LA, um, and that's where. How old were you when you moved there? Uh, Twenty nine. 
Okay, so that matches up perfectly with when you stop drinking alcohol. Yeah. Let's talk about your relationship prior to giving up alcohol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're willing to, because I think it'll my be... My relationship a, with Gita. Well, no, your relationship with alcohol. Oh, my I'm relationship sure with alcohol. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. Well, just because yeah. I know uh, that's where I was going to lead to, that you stopped drinking alcohol at 29. <clears throat> we'll talk yeah. about this last night because I yeah. had my year off and you had some funny comments about it last night. But <laughs> if you moved to America at that time as well, yeah. dare I say it's probably coming with a, a story or a, a reason why you gave up. Yeah, I mean, it, was, oh, it, it wasn't just, like, it wasn't anything crazy. I just felt like... Um, true in the world DJ. Yeah, you, give, us, give me that explanation because you're like, I'm starting to tour with America. I'm starting to tour the world DJ. Yeah. I've got every opportunity in the world to be a loose cannon. Yeah, I just didn't like... Um, I think... Like I'm, you know, I'm British, I'm English and uh, there's uh, there's definitely a glorification of being fucked up and, you know, getting, getting into a mess. And um, I, I was, I was very used to being like that. And, uh, but I, I guess I just started not really um, appreciating it in myself. I didn't like the way it left me feeling. I was getting, you know, starting to get a bit older by this point and, um, the hangovers were starting to take their bite. Anyway, I remember I went to um, I went to I went out on a, a bender with um, some friends in in Miami during a winter music conference. So the, the, all the big parties that happen in March, um, it's like a big gathering of the industry, and I absolutely hammered. And um, the next day, I had to fly to back to England, and um, I've never experienced. A worst day in my life from that day. It was the worst hangover I've ever, I've ever had in my life. It lasted about four days, and that flight was the most miserable, miserable, miserable trip. And I just, I just, I just said to myself, "This is fucked. This is like, this is not, this is not gonna, this is not gonna be good for me if I, if I, if I make this a habit." Mm. Um, so I was like, "Yeah, actually, you know what? I'm done." And just boom, haven't had a drink since. Haven't had a drink since. Twelve years. Twelve years. Good on you, man. That's yeah. so cool for someone in your. Like in your, I love, I don't know, just because I've like been out with you a couple times and I've always known that you don't drink. Because when I took my year off sober, like you were asking yeah. me the other day, like you're still not drinking. I was like, no, nah, sorry, man, I'm not on your team anymore. <laughs> but but to know that you used to be on the other team makes me. It doesn't change anything, but I'm like, ah, oh, okay, it wasn't like, and just the way that you describe it, and just went, yep, yep, there wasn't like this big moment, or there wasn't this like, no, good on you. It was a, a realization that hey, if I want my career to continue. It yeah. needs to. No, I've always been driven. I've, you know, I say I've always been driven. I haven't always been driven, but I am driven to. Um, I want to. If I'm going to do something, I want to do it well. Mm. Um, and I do care about what I do. I care about. Um, I care about people having a good time. I care about me being, like, in Your a good place off, yeah. to 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 give to give people a good time. Um, I'm not like. Uh, that might not be in like my my physical performance. It's just like it's just through my my choices and my you know my musical choices. I just think I make them better when I'm sober and more aware and um, and feeling good about myself. And I feel a lot better about myself not drinking. So mm. it's uh, it was it, it was nice to um, it was nice to get rid of it. I, I feel I feel a lot better for it. I feel like I've got a lot more focus, clarity, and I'm able to just look after myself in general mm. better because of it. So I don't miss it one bit. I but I, but I will say like. You know, I'm I'm also quite comfortable in um, not fitting in or standing out, which I do think is quite a big part of, mm. you know, um, 
it is like a a social kind of separator mm. from from me and you know whoever whoever I'm with. You know, I'm normally the only one not drinking, or and it definitely changes the way that uh, the, like the flow of the night. The longer the night goes on, kind of like. like mm. You're starting to get fucking annoying. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm out of it. <laughs> yeah, but it's hard because you DJ so late sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's nice seeing, yeah, the way that you guys take it so professionally. And we we're talking about it last night. I love the way that you described that at the start of what you were just saying. That there's a responsibility. Like there's these people that are throwing these huge events. There's people who are paying all this money to come and watch you. And then every now and then you do see a DJ or a musician who's just like off chops, and you're like. There's a responsibility that comes with that. Yeah. So does he have that professionalism? So nice to hear. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's some people. Some people can conduct themselves in a really good way in that state. Mm. Um, but most people think they can conduct themselves well in that state. That's the problem. But they they think that because well, they're pissed. Well, that was like when I took my year off. What I really started to notice was I'd go out sober and I'd see myself in other people. I'd be like, "Fuck, that's me." I think that I'm not that bad, but like that, le and I'm like, oh, that's like, you'd get it all the time. The people who like, you'd see sober and then drunk and like the change. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, that's what most of us do. It's like trying to bring it back to that level. So it's fine. So, you know, like, you know, different people. Well, there's like no judgment, but that, like when I was doing it, it was absolutely no judgment, but just like observation of like, oh, that's when I think I'm not being a bit, you well, know, the, 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 the truth is like, um, I've said this so many times, but like, Listen, the worst substance that anyone takes um, in in these, you know, clubs, uh, pubs, whatever, is alcohol. It's mm. the worst one. People act like a fuckwit. It's so annoying. <laughs> and it's, it's almost like, but it's, it's like the, it's the substance that kind of feel like it makes people get involved in other people's business. Like, mm. get, get, like you know, when a drunk person's all up in other people's faces, it's like, you know, whereas like when people are doing like uh, recreational drugs and stuff like that, most of the time they're having their own experience. Like they, in, yeah. they might look a bit dumb sometimes, <laughs> yeah. but like, you know, they're kind of, they're, they're having like their own internal experience and that, you know, don't mm. really fuck with other people. It's yeah. So whereas it's kind of like, alcohol is the opposite. Yeah, alcohol, they just, everyone turns into a fucking nose. Mm. you know some people some are okay but most not that many <laughs> not many yeah. not that many you can see plenty of them every time you go around let's talk about your 30s now so you moved to LA career starting to go on the up and up is that when did you start getting managed by Brett back then yeah yeah so um, that was about when you 10, got to LA about 10 years ago so okay. yeah I've been there a couple of years okay mm -hmm. yeah talk to me about that next chapter of like yeah there's a lot of people <clears throat> who make a big track or have a few tracks that are doing well and then disappear you've had one no, of the careers I had, I had well i had a bit of a strange one where um i kind of i really lost myself quite around that period where i moved to america um so i i, I lost a lot of confidence in 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 my music in my in what i was making where i was going where the seams at excuse me where i fit and um, I started making some really, really crap decisions. Um, I made lots of decisions made kind of based on what other people were telling me they thought I should be doing mm -hmm. rather than following what I felt was the right thing to do. And it, and it really, it really kind of like led to, I also made some decisions based on money, which um, up to that point I've not done. 
and I don't I don't do anymore either. Um, but in that period, I was I was kind of like, I was I was making decisions based on um, just for the wrong reasons. And um, anyway, I kind of I essentially I, I lost myself and I lost my um, I, I I didn't love what I was doing. I got caught up in very very bad record deal and I, I just things really got out of hand. I just started working with. Um, uh, Brett for management and um, yeah soon after that I kind of just had this I had this big moment of kind of um, soul searching and clarity essentially where I um, I was just like I'm I'm doing the wrong things and I'm doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons and I need to I need to course correct what brought about that reflection and what were some of the things that I you just did felt, to soul search you just oh, felt I like felt shit fucking shit I, I, I was playing drinking I was or very, anything too yeah so yeah, yeah. Just... so I had clarity so I, I you know I was doing um, I was doing shows and I just remember just getting like you know getting taken back to the hotel or whatever after the show and just like the doors shut and I'm just like oh, what am I doing what wow. am I doing it was kind of um, and that's still already playing like pretty big gigs and stuff by yeah, the yeah, yeah 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 it was, it was, it was just not, no fulfillment didn't yeah no I, I was just like what your purpose wow. and this is sort of I've, I've, I've completely I've completely um, uh, like veered off in, into this sort of uh, I was just making decisions that I was not I was mm. not uh, happy with so um, luckily I'd you know I'd recently started working with Brett and I think there was a there was an understanding or an acknowledgement from Brett as well that you know I was not happy and I don't think this was something that was going to be serving me long term. So what we're going to do about it? What we're going to what we're going to do is change this. What's, what's uh, um, how do we fix this? So really, I, I actually ended up going back to Scotland um, for for a week, um, and I, just, I don't know. I just I kind of had this. I, I had all these conversations with my parents and. Um, I think they actually showed me some old articles of like old interviews that I'd done where I was actually talking about what drove, you know, what, mm. what kind of inspired me, what drove, what, what kind of fueled me. And I was given like these reminders, like of, almost like of who I am and, and what, 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 what yeah. And um, anyway, I just started, I just started thinking about really the, the music that I really wanted to make and, and um, started making it essentially oh. and started making and started, uh, um, you know, deciding to only do the things that I wanted to do. And so this is when the most difficult part of my career began, where I had a career where I had had some success. Um, I'd had some big records. Um, however, I felt like I was building a reputation that I didn't feel comfortable being remembered by. So um, I wanted to I wanted to change that I wanted to I wanted to fix that so I I basically went on a rampage and I made very 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 difficult decisions with regards to shows I had to, I turned down so many shows because it was the wrong thing just you know I had to say no to like ninety percent of what I was asked to do uh, which is quite difficult when you you know when, yeah, you're, when you're getting off a big money to play well, well, it's not just that you know you've also got to live you've got to, yeah, you've yeah, got to pay, pay, you your, you got to pay your bills so um uh you know so made some made some difficult decisions and over time um you know uh, tried to essentially rebuild my reputation yeah, i was gonna say so you're like re so you're making tracks and putting stuff out and playing 
music that wasn't really what you love. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah. recognized and you're doing well with yeah. it, but you're like, no, nah, I need to so, steer this ship in a different direction yeah. and come back to what I love. Yeah, so um, oh, I, worked, I worked hard on it. It was, it was, it was difficult. And by that point, you know, within the industry, there was, there was uh, preconceptions of who I was, and you know, it, was, I, it would have been far easier to give up on the career and start a new alias, start a new name. That would have been the by far the most easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. But because my my Chris Lake's my real name, mm -hmm. um, I was loathed to just give up on something that represented me mm. because it, well, it was me. So um, I, yeah, just I worked hard at. You know, um, essentially rewriting the story about my reputation wow. I guess and uh, yeah so over over time it, it it all kind of it all started coming together I kind of um, I essentially started rewriting the story and each 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 step I each step I took like each song kind of just took me a step further and further into being like doing just more accurately what I love and then things really started to really started to kick off so what, um what was the first big song once you changed back this direction that i'm sure people listening will know about i think one of the i think the most pivotal one was operator um so uh yeah that song really 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 caught on in the scene and it just got people talking just like it just ended up being a really 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 hot uh -huh. record everyone was playing it um all the all the cool guys were playing it and uh and girls and uh it just yeah i don't know it just changed just changed everything for me and, kind and of, how did it feel for you did it feel good you're like yes yeah, the yeah, songs yeah. that i'm actually passionate about are doing well did that change yeah your whole perception it, on yeah, yourself yeah it started to it started to um I, you know I, I started to get the the, the reward the, yeah. the rewards i was the rewards i was looking for um you know just starting to do the shows that i wanted to do and uh, having having the recognition for the songs in the right places. Mm -hmm. So it felt good. And um, I, it's just not really stopped. I've, I've, I've been, you know, I've, I've kind of had this approach now for 10 years. I just, I only do things I love. I, um, I, I, I don't make decisions for money, um, mm. which is like really how I started. Um, I'm true to myself. I, uh, I do things to make me happy. I do things that, you know, I'm interested in. And, you know, of uh, things have kind of flourished because of it. So. Right, it's, it's a great story for people to see that it's all well and good to become successful, but if it's for something that doesn't actually sit true to you, yeah, then it's not horrible. fulfilling. That's the thing. It's like you're perfect, and I had no idea. I'm sure so many people listening probably had no idea about that. Now you found this space where it seems like you're super healthy, you're happy, you're on this path where you're making music that's making obviously a huge impact. I want to talk about two shows in particular to finish mm -hmm. that I can probably talk to you a bit differently about than most people, obviously with Fisher being my brother-in-law. Tell me about Coachella. I'm sorry, I'm sorry mate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get him on the podcast one day. Hopefully this has inspired him. And yeah, hopefully on, this mate. might be the first episode he listens to of the podcast as well. <laughs> Fuck, he will have switched off ages ago. <laughs> um, but tell me about Coachella this yeah. year. Was that one of the special ones for you? Oh, 100%, you know. Yeah, give is... me your top three, but hopefully in them is Coachella and um, Hollywood this year. No, do you know what? Honestly, some of the, there's been. So many. Yeah. I, I've, but some of the, some of the best ones have been with fish. They've, they've, yeah. Coachella closing Coachella. You've got to realize as well. Time. So, you know, just to give you some pers yeah, yeah. perspective. Give me a relationship like, with Paul. When did you meet Paul? And like, well, you know, I met, I, I met him. Can't say probably at the start because you managed by Brett together. 
Yeah, that's the, you know, obviously we had some a lot of awareness of each other, but we didn't meet for a while. Uh, met, I met Paul and, and said, and um, yeah, got, got on great with them. They're just fucking great guys. And um, there's just a lot of synergy there. Mm. Um, he's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I think I just, fuck, he's just such a, he's such a like fun energy to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, and inspiring as well. He's very inspiring. It's like his his his, uh, his energy and his passion is very infectious. Mm. I don't think uh, many people maybe realize the um, he kind of such he sounds really sappy, but it's, it's true. He kind of he, he kind of lights up a room, not not just not just being a DJ. You kind of like you, you know and you feel his presence mm. when when he when he walks in you know just coming in for a coffee or whatever mm. he just has this sort of presence he carries with him and then but when he's turning it on and he's performing it's significant there's it's nothing quite like it, it, huh? it's, di- it's difficult it's difficult to ignore he's he's uh he's, he's got a very commanding presence and it's mm. like you know and um it's and now and now you match it with the match it with the music it's pretty damn powerful that's crazy that's what one of the things that i love from just quickly like watching him <laughs> There's not many DJs in the world that, for one, even let people stand behind them. But what he does is has all of his crew behind him and not only plays to the crowd, but will turn around and one by one, like, froth yeah, all of yeah, his yeah, friends no, behind him up. Yeah. And I'm like, how he manages to do that and give everyone the, int- like, you know. Yeah, I know, it's intense. It's, yeah, it's phenomenal. So, you know, yeah, so talking about, like, the, yeah, so the shows the, that the made a mark on me. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, but there's been, there's been quite a, a synergy with both of our, um, careers rising up. Um, we've done, we've done, you know, a lot of shows together now, and um, yeah, we're mates. You know, we're kind of like uh, we share a lot of um, we share we share a love of the we share a love of the music. That's mm. for sure. And um, you know, I think we inspire each other. So mm. um, yeah, we we just got really lucky with the way that like the the scene was kind of kind of growing. We were kind of at the center of it. And um, we were asked, we were asked at EDC, I think it was 2017, we were asked to close the, the main stage together. By this point, Fish had never played a main stage in his life. And uh, I, I was like, we were, having, we were having to play after Afrojack. And I'm like, oh. That's gonna be hell. Afrojack plays so fucking heavy, and they're like, "Oh, we're just gonna get eaten alive." Well, come on, and everyone's gonna be like, <sighs> "You know, come on, I'm going home." And um, so we we ended. We actually said no. We said no to the show for a few weeks. And um, Pasquale Rotella, the um, the owner of EDC, was like, "I really, really want you to close this. You're my two favorite artists right now." Um, this is this is the show I want the festival to close because I want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Play, please do it. Here. And I'm like, yeah, but it's after Afrojack. Come on, it's not easy. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we ended up saying yes to it. And um, I remember saying to Paul, I'm like, mate, don't be disheartened if we finish the first record and half the crowd's fucked off. Which I genuinely thought was going to happen, but it didn't happen. And look it, at was, it, now. it was it, it was really. It made a it made a big impression because it was like the this you know at that time it was like this is unheard of having house acts playing on the main stage mm. holding a crowd people talking about it people you know loving it so it was a, it, it, it was a big thing and so this 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 idea just off the back of that show 
The idea of us two playing together was very in demand. And so we, so what ended up happening was we, um, this all, this leads to like yeah. a sister and that, um, we, we knew that we had something with this. We loved doing it. We loved playing together. It was a lot of fun. You know, we're great mates, but all of our social circles, um, they were, we were all friends as well. Mm. So it was like, okay, well, what do we, what do we just, um, do this sporadically? And just use it as an opportunity to get everyone together. So really the attitude behind the shows that we do is that we're getting we're getting we're getting the friends together. That's so and that's good. why we have everyone up on stage. That's why we have the party with everyone. That's why um, you know, it's uh it's like a party that we have with our friends mm. and we allow everyone else to watch us have the party. <laughs> but it's so cool as well, and, and you might be able to answer this. I can't recall there's many other DJs that do both of their names back to back. Like quite often you end up with like Jack U or Major Laser and yeah. create a combo thing. Whereas you guys never did that, nah, which nah. is sick. I love that. No, because it's like, it's it's literally, it's it's just, it is what it is. It's yeah. just fucking, like, it's just the two of us yeah, playing records instead sick. of us doing it individually. And it's, it's fun. It's like, it's nothing, um, we're not, we're not, and we, we, just, we just turn up and play our absolute, we just wallop people around the heads with our tunes. It's basically the, what we try to do and have the have the have, and try and have the best time. And it's just developed into this thing. So you know, leading up to, um, you know, you, yeah. yeah. After 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 the first few sh shows, we were like, we 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 have something here. Yeah. We, we we had this sort of, we had, uh, we talked about where could this where could this go? And Coachella was the one that we were like, if we're going to do a festival again, that's going to be the one we'll do. We want to close down the outdoor stage at Coachella. So that was our goal. We thought we were going to be doing it sooner, but um, COVID obviously changed things. And um, so our opportunity didn't come around until this year. And fuck, it was ridiculous. It was so good. It was so good. It was like an unbelievably memorable show. We had everyone there. You know, your sister was there and Gita was, my wife was there and um, all of our friends. And yeah, it was special. It was an unbelievably memorable show. And then that led on to the, the Hollywood show we did together. How's the conversation when you get off stage and you get a moment and it's just you and Paul? <laughs> There's not everyone around you. What's that? Is it just you guys going like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was, it, yeah. I, I, it was kind of, there was there was a bit of disbelief. Like, <laughs> um, again, oh, fuck. I sound like such a pessimist, but like, I said to him, I'm like, oh, fuck. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be any good. We've, we've worked so hard on this, but fuck. I hope people turn up. And he's, the he's like, show and of he, all time at Coachella. Yeah, I know, I know. And I, 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 was, I was just like, fuck, I hope people turn up. I hope it's going to be a good crowd. And even just like 10, 10, 15 minutes before, I'm kind of like, you know, crossing my fingers. And we walk out and it's like the biggest crowd they've had at that stage. Ever. And, and, and um, yeah, ever. And it was, uh, oh, it was so intense. So, you know, played, played the intro. There's a video, there's a video up on my Instagram of, um, when, you know, and we do the intro and we walk out and you can see how nervous we are. Well, definitely see how nervous I am. And then first, you know, the first drop happens and we're like, okay, okay well, right. yeah, it's on. Yeah, how's it feel? Do you get nervous other than Fuck that yeah. show? Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, for, no yeah, yeah, for, on that, that, that one, I was nervous. I was very, very nervous. But you guys have planned and like know exactly what song's going into what song or do you kind of freestyle a little bit when it's a tour? That was, the, no, that that one, that one, we, we, um, we, we planned that out because we, the reason being, 
it was by far the shortest set that we'd done. Uh, okay. Normally we like up two, until then the, two, the three hour sets. Well, minimum three. Wow. So um, so we yeah so we 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 worked out what we were going to do on that one because it was like it, we were actually worried that it was just like it wasn't going to feel. It wasn't going to feel the same because we were rushing it. But it's hard. How do you choose? Like both of you have such mega songs, yeah, and then you so, throw some other stuff. Yeah, in so there yeah, too. so we yeah, it was, it was you know we we uh, we had fun. We had fun putting it all together and um, you know and, and performing it and uh, yeah, but that one was different. You know, every other time we fully wing it. Like when we did the. Um, I was just thinking like when we did the shrine, when we did the shrine, we did three nights at the shrine in LA. That was 2018, I think. And um by far the biggest shows we'd both done together, but you know, but um all sold out. By the, yeah, they're all sold out like that. And um crazy. I just remember just thinking how little effort we put into that. And uh, and I think it was five minutes. It was about less than five minutes before. I'm like, what are we, what are we gonna start? What are we gonna start with? <laughs> so far, like yeah, what do you reckon? Yeah, let's do that one. You know, it's kind of like we just decided there and then. Oh my god, that's yeah. outrageous! That. <laughs> that's yeah, so but we also, you know, we've got like a, a lot of belief in what we'll do. Yeah, you know? kind of like we will play feel, off the energy. Because that's the thing. Yeah, as a DJ, is it quite often playing off the energy of the crowd? Yeah, like yeah. having a pretty good idea of the songs that you want to play, but then kind of yeah, building it up. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's fun. So um, yeah, we had a lot. Of, we had a lot of fun with that and. Um, yeah, so, you know, there's some pretty, pretty memorable shows. For the last question, let's talk about real quickly Hollywood. That was something that was out of this world, mm -hmm. that intro with Hemsworth and all of that. Mm -hmm. Talk me about that, shutting down Hollywood Boulevard <laughs> for the first time ever. Yeah, that was uh, that took four years of planning. And um, fuck, it, that was such a, it was such a stressful show because there was so much stuff to organise with. Um, so, so much, so many people to convince to allow us to do that show and then when we got once we got the city approval we then kind of like needed individual businesses approval uh, we got fucked over so badly by some of these businesses you know um, what in the street who had to get yeah yeah oh my god it cost us a fortune and um but by this point we were like so committed there's there's no way we're not doing this now there's yeah, no way yeah. and um yeah it was oh fuck it was unbelievable it was probably a hundred times better than I thought it was going to be. Wow. So then, like the week of the show, um, Fish is like, we've got to get, we've got, we've got to, we've got to make a, we've got to do an intro. We have to do an intro. And we're talking about, um, you know, talking about what we can do, um, you know, what, what, what can be, what's the right thing to do for a show in Hollywood. Um, and uh, so it's like, well, I, I can't remember who suggested it, but I was like, maybe we just need to do something very on the nose Hollywood. We, you know, we could like try and try and make something quite cinematic. Mm. And um, and then we talked about. I think Fish suggested about getting like a like a speech from you know someone. Okay, what's the most Hollywood thing we can do? And then I says, well, what do you Your ask? Best man. Well, yeah, exactly. What do you ask Hemsworth? I mean, that's just about as on the nose. He's like, fuck it, I'll ask him. So he spoke to him. He spoke to Chris, and it's like, yeah, all right, yeah, um, hurry up because I'm a. He's like, if you give me an idea of what you want, um, if you give me an idea of what you want, uh, I'm going camping in 24 hours. I'll record it. If you can get, you know, get, get me a kind of like a, a get me a script. So Fish wrote that script, and um, 
just wrote that script and uh the rest is history yeah got, got got the um got the voice notes sent over and then um yeah we both um i think fish put the fish put together the the beat for the for the intro i added some strings onto it um <laughs> That, that was just wild. Like, uh, yeah, but I remember. I just remember, like, us playing this to each other. I was like, "Holy shit, this is unbelievable!" I think this is like the best fucking thing ever. And then this is the oh, this is the worst bit. The morning of the show, I'm just like, "Yes, we've got it." Pretty much the only thing that we knew um, um, we were going to play was the intro. That was the only thing we we we, we planned. And, uh, <laughs> and then. I played it to Gita, my wife, and she goes, do you really think this is a good idea? And I'm like, no, fuck. So like I've started like second guess. Is this like, is this actually a good idea to play? And, um, but then by this point it was like, okay, if we don't play this and we literally have nothing, we've got we're no, like, like we're, song, got, yeah. we're just playing a song and this is going to be whack. So, um, yeah, we played it. Yeah, you did, it went off. It was so good. That though, clip's unbelievable. I've, I've never watched a clip as much as I've watched that. Oh, it is just the best thing ever. Yeah. It's so, so good. But man, this has um, been an epic chat. I appreciate the honesty and sharing a bunch about your story. I've learned so much. I'm sure a lot of people listening would have learned some really insightful lessons, whether it be about your upbringing, having to work hard to go and mm. get your first equipment, to going, you know what, I'm going to give myself one more year, got after it, to taking the time or, or quitting alcohol, to was, redirecting your career. There's so many parts, man, that I, I was really an, appreciate. I was nearly an architect. <laughs> well, yeah. fuck, I probably, probably would have been shit. Yeah, architect, amazing music. Yeah. The last question I do finish all my podcasts with, I'm excited to hear what you answer this. What does being a good human mean to Chris Lake? Um, Take your time. I guess, I think, definitely, it's got to be being... Like being a good service to other people, right? Having mm. a providing something for others, right? It's sort of uh, feel like uh, it's natural to look after yourself. It's very immediate, very kind of like primal to kind of like look after yourself. But it's uh, it's uh, I think it's very good to look after others as well. You know, do something for do something for others, and you know, spreading happiness, positivity, and you know nurturing whatever mate well you're doing just that thank you so much for having a chat thanks for all the music you do too i've actually got to show you a video i use one of your songs on every one of my keynotes when i show my ambassadors oh, yeah? it's one of your songs i'll show it to you in a sec there you go i'll get you payback for you ripping off some music <laughs> <back in the laughs> i love it i love it oh, but anyway man thank you so much for jumping on good humans yeah bro you're the man hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.